Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg from the future. And I'm Tristan from the past. Yeah. Oh, you say past because you're in America. Past. I mean, yesterday. You're still, you're already in tomorrow. What's that like? I mean, it's Monday. I got a case of the Mondays, Tristan. Oh, yeah? Hmm. Greg and I are back on our original podcasting gear. Mm. which is, it, I mean, hopefully you can't even tell, but to us it feels quite different. Yes, it's surreal. It's surreal. It means there's no buttons today, so we're going to have to do manual wows. Wow. 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 What, what, what? Keep going. Oh, that was good. Keep going. <laughs> we're still doing a tour of the buttons, even though <laughs> the buttons are not here. <laughs> we can't resist. That's how much we rely on the buttons. Uh, anyway, okay, this is our first episode. Uh, on opposite sides of the world. Uh-huh. First episode where one of us is recording in New York. Mm, that's you. That's me. That's which is, means it's going. also our first episode of our New York miniseries, tentatively titled Movies Where New York is Almost Sort of Kind of a Main Character mm. in the Film, Wouldn't You Say? Nice. It's succinct. It's astute. First it's very astute on your part. <laughs> and, of course, we're talking about... Die Hard with a Vengeance, Die Hard 3. We haven't covered Die Hard 2, but it doesn't really matter. It's on a plane. Yeah, there you go. What do you want? He stops the bad guy. Yeah. 1995, Tristan. Mid-90s by definition. Mid-90s. Um, 95 was the year of a patent that would go on to spawn one of the more mediocre restaurant chain ideas in history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, it wouldn't be uh, kicking off a New York-themed run without talking about the great Times Square restaurant, Tristan. Have you been yet? Have you been yet? <laughs> Bubba Gump. Bubba Gump Shrimp. Uh, shout out Chris Manson. Chris Manson, friend of the show. Um now, we've talked about this a few times, but he infamously gave Tristan some, so a bit of a heads up on uh, some culinary options when Tristan was first in New York a number of years ago. My first visit. Yep. And I was, I had, I, uh, I was here for like three days and he was like, now you're going to want to stay as close to Times Square as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's really much the exact opposite of, any advice anyone would ever give on New York? You gotta try Bubba Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Bubba Gump Shrimp. Um, now, technically, the first restaurant opened in '96, but the wheels were in motion. You know, months before that. Months. Well, when did, when did Forrest Gump come out? '94. '94. So they didn't. Uh, yeah. They didn't waste time. Now, there's a few different. Options on the origin here. So I read somewhere that uh, Paramount Pictures kind of pitched it. Um, right. And then I've read elsewhere that the CEO, Scott Barnett, was the was the brains behind this. Right. Now, he's got a right. – I was listening to a, uh, an interview with him. He, he's, a, he's a restaurant man. Now, bef- yep. before this, he had the uh, the Rusty Pelican chain. You heard of them? No. no, he's got a he's got a, a thing with names that the rusty pelican. It sounds like a sounds like a drink. Yeah, I was thinking it sounded like a something off Urban Dictionary, like a rusty yeah, the, rust, the rusty trombone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what you'd get if you ordered one of them at the bar. The name that's actually interesting. Naming <laughs> conventions. There's a lot of overlap between cocktails and and sex positions. It's a good point. First on your part. Yeah. You got any examples? Um, the Cleveland Steamer. Oh yeah, I made my um, six aside soccer team once get called the Cleveland Steamers. <laughs> Shout out to Brendan Barrett, friend of the show. He wasn't really into the name, but he went along with it. <laughs> the Cleveland Steamers. So anyway, if you look, if you're just dying to hear more about the Bubba Gump, 
Gimp. Right. <laughs> the Bubba Gump Shrimp Co. story. Fear yeah. not. If, if, if this has whet your appetite and you need more <laughs> gumption, fear not, Tristan, because Scott Burnett has written a book about his experiences in the creation of the gump story uh, thing. So it's called yeah. Gumption, Taking really? Bubba Shrimp from Movie to Restaurant. It's fascinating because we talked about this on the Forrest Gump episode, but I had always just, because, you know, everything in Forrest Gump, it's like, and that's how this happened, that thing in real life. And so I had always thought until we did Forrest Gump that Bubba Gump Shrimp predated ah. Forrest Gump and that it was just another thing that it just so happens Forrest Gump was ah, responsible yeah. for. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, but it's the only thing that wasn't that and then they just went and made it anyway afterwards. Yeah, good, yeah. good on them. It just shows the power of shrimp, I think, for me. <laughs> Bubba would agree. Yeah, hell of a story. Um, I feel like you owe it to, well, you owe it to Manton at the very least to get like to, go. to get a po' boy, yeah, a shrimp po' boy. The most recent time I had it was um, – Oh, you've had it. I, know, I had it a few years ago at Cancun Airport. Because it was that, or Jim, it was that, or Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. <laughs> hey, oh, the wow. coconut shrimp is tasty. Yeah, nice. Good yeah. to know. Well, on that note, we can move mm. along because you've, you know, you've done it, been there, done that. So, uh, big year for patents, you would say. Ninety-five. It's probably others. Big year for movies too. Mm, we got there. Big year. Huge year. Yeah. Toy Story. Oh, yeah. Pocahontas. Pocahontas. <laughs> the same year, would you believe it? I wouldn't. Uh, what with the CGI and <laughs> such? We've done this year many times, so I won't dwell on it too much because really the, the crux of it is we're doing the number one film of the year yeah. in 1995. Worldwide, Mr. Worldwide himself, uh, with the film Die Hard with a Vengeance. Summer in the city, back of my neck, getting dirt and gritty. Bend down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. All around, people looking half dead, walking on the sidewalk, harder than a match here. Weird name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I hadn't reflected on it too much. I just, I just started thinking about it as you, as you, as you said then. With like, the yeah, because it's one of those things you just kind of say it all as one thing, and then we actually. Read it as a sent. Is it a sentence? Like Die Hard with a vengeance. Vengeance is singular, not with vengeance. Mm. Well, it's weird. You, I mean, you only need one to really get the show going. And there, there was a sketch back in the day on Fast Forward or Full Frontal, and it was Die Hard with a vegetable. Oh. That, that was the extent of the joke. <laughs> wow. But it really stuck in my head. Maybe we. Um, I remember. Them I think a I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I remembered that joke as a kid. I remember thinking that was genius. Because mm, they both start with V. Because it's, it's a vegetable. Mm, I wonder Are which you one kidding it was. me? <laughs> I assume a banana gun or something. That's a, that's a fruit though. Well, it could be a zucchini gun. Zucchini gun, yeah, yeah. Eggplant, grenade. Oh, yep. So Die Hard with a Vengeance. Die Hard 3, really, is what we're talking about here. Came out in May of 1995, budget of $90 million. Mm. The gross box office, world, gross worldwide box office of $366 million. Uh, interestingly, this is not something I had looked up on uh, Rotten Tomatoes before and, and certainly not before rewatching it. And I was shocked at how low the critic score was mm. at a measly 59%. Yes. So I like, thought this was a much-loved film. Yeah. So at the time this came out, this was the lowest-rated Die Hard movie. Wow. I, can't, I can barely remember two. And now it's the third highest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can barely remember number two, but that was a 69% critic score. Die Hard won 94%. No, li- yeah, Live Free or Die Hard, the fourth one, is actually the second-highest-rated at 82%. It surprises me. Is that the one with... Justin Long or with the Aussie I think, guy? I think that's the one with Justin Long. Well, he's, oh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, but critic consensus, Die Hard with a Vengeance, benefits from Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson's barbed into play, but clatters to a bombastic finish. Bombastic. I don't know where it came out, Arnold style. Hmm, how could it not? <laughs> it's a good Arnold word. He should say that more often. Mm. Um, in a vain effort to cover for an overall lack of fresh ideas. Man, I call bullshit on all of that. Mm. This thing, well, I'll, I'll hold it. We, we can't get into uh, reactions just yet. We have to go into, to, uh, you know, back in the day, 1995, how did we feel about it back in the day? Mm. Was this a big one for you, Greg? It was a big one. I can't give you, I don't have too many specifics other than yes. I just, you know. Yeah. So it was a it was a diehard. I was a, I was a you know a diehardman. Yeah. Uh, as 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 you know, but I don't really have any particular you know early memories other than being a little bit creeped out by Jeremy Irons. Jeremy's Iron. Yeah. Jeremy's Iron. Yeah. Peter Parker, Parker, Peter Petal. I'm going to say that a fair bit this episode. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to remember if this was the first diehard movie I saw, but I don't think it. I don't think it could have been, but. I think it was the one I remembered the most. Oh yeah, at at not now because I've watched Die Hard one so much now. But there would have been a few years there where this was maybe my main Die Hard. Oh, I would yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could it see was that. Pretty big. It's a big movie. Big movie. Big movie. And yeah, that's pretty much all my memories. I got nothing else. It wasn't the film that propelled your desire to move stateside. Certainly not. And I, obviously, we put this in the New York miniseries, but. I felt like, oh yeah, we'll put it in, but it's probably not that New Yorky. I didn't realize. I mean, we'll get into it. Just how New Yorky it is. It might be the New Yorkiest film we cover. It's pretty New Yorky. <laughs> yeah. They just you got subways. Yeah, you got taxis. <laughs> I have made a list. Uh, I've made a criteria. Oh, good. So we can evaluate how New Yorky oh, each movie yes. is in this miniseries, and it's all that bullshit. <laughs> Do they eat a hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that nice. Nice. All right, I'll get into the origin story. Origin story. Okay, so in terms of origin story, obviously this is a sequel. This is the third in a franchise. Uh, but let's not forget, Greg, that the first one was also kind of a sequel, kind of. Uh-huh. If you kinda. recall, it was, it was based on that book called Nothing Lasts Forever, written by Roderick Thorpe. Mm. That book was a sequel to another book called The Detective. Yeah. Which had already been turned into a film starring Frank Sinatra. Oh, Frankie so Blue theoretically, Eyes. Theoretically, yeah, Blue Eyes over there. So theoretically this was going to be a sequel to that and, you know, things happened and it's not and it's Bruce Willis. But mm. interesting, interesting. Obviously that first one comes out, boom, $140 million at the box office. Second one comes out, boom. $240 million at the box office, you got to make a third. Oh, you're going to make a third. You don't stop at that point. Why would you stop there? You don't just hang up keep McLean's moving forward. badge. Yeah. Just need to put a different spin on it. Actually, speaking of different spins, you know what's funny? I didn't realize this. So you know how the, the first one, that's a funny origin story, the fact that it's based on a book, yeah, all that kind of shit. But um, I, when I was researching this one, I came across someone saying that Oh, yeah. Like most Die Hard sequels, this was adapted from a script that originally had nothing to do with Die Hard. I was like, what? So apparently like most, I think I looked into it, all of them except for one, I think, were just sitting around as other scripts and they were adapted to become a Die Hard script. So this one, the original script was a film called Simon Says. Ah. Yeah. Not Simon to be confused says, with. Peter Parker picked a pickle pecker. Yeah, exactly. Not to be confused with the uh, Dennis Rodman film, um, but it was it was it was originally a, a script called Simon Says, written by Jonathan Hensley, who also wrote Jumanji and Armageddon. Oh, yeah? um, big big '90s scriptwriter, I suppose. Oh yeah. Um, it was written as Simon Says with Brandon Lee in mind. It was a Brandon Lee vehicle. Oh. And uh, what he passed away in like '93, I think, right? So I guess. Can't remember. I guess there's a there's a sliding doors moment where this, you know, changes. That's very interesting. Yeah, um, Zeus Samuel L. Jackson's character was supposed to be female, and then would you know it, Warner Brothers originally bought the script, and they rewrote it as a Lethal Weapon sequel. Interesting. 
Yeah, and then that Everyone's never got executed. Yeah, and then it just sat there gathering dust and then Fox bought it off them and rewrote it to be Die Hard. <laughs> but apparently the first hour of the script, aside from name changes, is almost is basically identical to that original Simon Says script, oh. which is interesting. It's interesting. And I mean, so I looked into it because I wanted to know what other ones. And so apparently, what were the other ones? Live Free or Die Hard was adapted from a script originally called WorldWar3.com <laughs> by the guy that wrote Enemy of the State. Because I think that's like cyber yeah, terrorists. Yeah, there's, there's definitely yeah. some hacking in there. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of keyboard, keyboard tapping and clacking. Entering mainframes uh, and such. People saying, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> out <laughs> wireframes yeah what kinds of shit um that's that's kind of cool i like that yeah they just uh renamed it yeah it's like my john matrix trilogy idea that like make commando predator and then die hard one have it all be the john matrix character yeah his life the life and struggles of, of sir john matrix mm, mm. Mm. I wonder if they still do that shit. I know they did it with uh, the Cloverfield movies. Yeah. I guess it probably happens all the time. But they should do it with, imagine if they made a Venom film out of a script that was supposed to be like an alien film. That would be nice. Ooh. Instead of just, you know, writing pieces of shit. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't see this as a a lethal weapon it's pretty lethal weapon isn't it, the buddy cop? Pretty close, that yeah. Be, that could be Riggs and Murtoch. Yeah. Um, and then so in terms of the Simon Says script, in terms of Jonathan Hensley's inspo, apparently the, the idea for the plot came, uh, came to him when he imagined what would happen if one of his childhood friends decided to seek revenge on him as an adult. Apparently he, he threw a rock at a friend as a kid and <laughs> was like, so what would happen if he came back, I guess? Ideas can come from anywhere. I yeah, I guess. That's pretty yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah. One more little bit of script trivia, Greg. There was another script floating around that was supposed to be, that, that was going to be Die Hard 3. And the original script was called Troubleshooter. Oh, yeah. Which was going to be set on a Caribbean dot com. cruise. Dot com. It's going to be set on a Caribbean cruise. But they thought, no, that's too similar to Under Siege. Oh, I thought you so were going to say Speed 2. Then it became Speed 2. Ah. Yeah. That's a little ironic. Isn't it? Because, you know, Speed Speed 1 is like kind of die hard on a bus. It's so basically there's two films that have ever been written. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Just give it a different name, dear. Put it on a different vehicle, dear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there were some other interesting precasties. So Yeah. Um, Lawrence Fishburne as yeah. Zeus. Yeah. You know what's crazy I never realized was that uh, – so he was offered the role on this. Mm. I think it was written with him in mind or rewritten with him in mind. Um, but he wanted too much money. But I also read – I didn't know this. Maybe we talked about it and I've forgotten. But he was also offered the role of Jules in Pulp Fiction. I saw this. I don't remember so, talking about it with you though. Yeah, same. And you know what's so funny is a couple of years ago there was a clip that went viral of um, – an interviewer interviewing Samuel L. Jackson, asking him about the Super Bowl ad he's in. What Super Bowl commercial? Oh, you know what? I've been my mistake. I, you know see what? what? See, you're you're as crazy as the people on Twitter. Right. I'm not Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> That's my fault. Oh, I know boy. that. That was my fault. Uh, my mistake. You know what? We don't oh. all look alike. Father, you're <laughs> exactly right. all black and famous. You but are we all guilty. Look I am. I. I am guilty. Um, I am busted. I am guilty. He thought you were Bob Dylan. Right. You're the entertainment reporter. I know. You're the entertainment reporter for this station. And you don't know the difference between. My my mistake, uh, my mistake. I apologize. Uh, really, my big mistake. Let's talk about. That must be uh, a very short line for your job. I'll say no. There's, oh. there's, it probably would not be hard to get another person to sit right here. Let's talk about Robocop. Oh hell no! <laughs> really? Oh. Really? Oh. My, I apologize. My, I'm look, the other guy. But, I'm the other guy. The I other know. one. <laughs> Great clip, yeah. Tristan. Great Thanks, man. Clip. Yeah, the Fishburne, he, he apparently he had verbally accepted this role or something. There was something, something happened. And then they oh. were like, oh, you know what, let's just use 
let's just use Samuel L. He's he's so hot right now. Yeah. Obviously, after his success as Jules. Both of these guys are Pulp Fiction, right? They just needed. Um, yeah, of course. They should have. They should have had Travolta as Simon. Let me get. That would have been tasty. Yeah, the group over here. Bish bash bosh, you go yourself a movie, basically, pretty much. You put, yeah. Travolta's an interesting one. Like He could have just rehashed his wardrobe from Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's probably got some tight singlets in there, which uh, we yeah. know that Jeremy's iron liked in, in this film. Well, he dresses like, he dresses, he's borrowed JCVD's wardrobe from Street Fighter. It's true. It's true. The he's, blue singlet, dog blue, tags. Yeah, he's basically hair. Guile. Stole, stolen his Luke. Styled by Guile. Oh, Bish Bash Boss. I already said Bish Bash Boss, didn't I? Yeah. Rap party down at the old Viper Room, East Coast edition. Uh, let's play the trailer. In the hands of a mastermind of terror. I want to play a game with Lieutenant McLean. What kind of game? Simon Says. The path to revenge leads straight to John McLean. If we don't do what this guy says, he's going to blow up another public place. Why me? What has he got to do with me? I have no idea. He just said it had to be you. It's nice to be needed. Simon says, get to the paper in Wall Street Station by 10.20, or the number three train and its passengers vaporize. I'm not jumping through hoops for some psycho. That's a white man with white problems. You deal with This guy wants to pound on you till you crumble. Are you aiming for these people? No. Well, maybe that mime. He wants you to dance to his tune and then kill you. Oh, dear. You're late because I'm white. I don't like you because you're going to get me killed. On May 19th. This is a bad idea. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a New York police officer. I'm going to ask you to calmly and quietly start moving towards the other end of the car. When the theater goes dark. Trust me, guys. Duck. The roof blows off. God, they're setting off bombs. And for some reason, he's very angry with me. <laughs> this, as they say, is where the plot thickens. They knocked over the Federal Reserve. Bruce Willis, Jeremy Irons, Samuel L. Jackson. Congratulations. You're still alive. Yippee-ki-yay, mother. In a John McTiernan film, Die Hard. With a vengeance. John McLean, NYPD. Are you all right? Yes. Laundry day. Good trailer. Beautiful trailer. One of the best. What what happened in this movie, Greg? Uh, Quite a lot. <laughs> a lot happened. Um, I think the easiest way to sum it up would be to say, "Hot town, summer in the city." Back of my neck getting dirty and gritty. Being down, mm. isn't it a pity? Yes. Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city all around. This is good stuff. People looking half dead, walking on the sidewalk, hotter than a match head. You're a good writer. Thank you. I borrowed some of that. We oh. open on a bustling New York City. It's the 90s. It's 90s and it's bustling. And there's a big explosion at a department store, Tristan. It's a crowded suburb, not a suburb, it's a crowded uh, pedestrian area. Mm. Uh, you know, surely lives have been lost. The police are scrambling. It's all, it's, it's, it looks hot. It looks very hot. Uh, you can feel it. You can feel the stickiness in the, in the humidity. It's palpable. You can smell it. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's smell-o-vision. <laughs> uh, a call comes into the station. It's it's Simon, uh, and he has a special request involving John McClane. So the guys are scrambling to find John. He's been under a, a rock somewhere, drinking 
the alcohols. Mm. He's hung over. They stick him in a van and they're like, oh, we've got to do this. He's asked you to do this thing. We don't know why. We don't know what it is. It's all ambiguous, but we're leaning in. <laughs> mm. We soon learn that he's asked McLean to wear a large sandwich board with a horrible racial slur on it and then get dropped off in the middle of uh, Harlem. Mm. So he's then approached by a shopkeeper, Zeus, Samuel L., who approaches him to say, WTF, mate. He then quickly tells him I'm on a police mission thing. But it all happens very quickly and a group of uh, threatening youths take offence to the sign, as you would, and there's an altercation and Zeus basically protects him and before they know it, they're whisked away in a taxi and Simon has observed this. They, they, they find mm. refuge at the police station. Simon had seen this play out. So now he's like, well, now, now you're involved in our little game. And he has mm. Zeus involved. And he's like, I don't want to be doing this, motherfucker. That's not a very <laughs> good Samuel, is it? I don't even know if you can do that without it being, like, non-PC. So I'll just not do that again. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he basically... Has to help McLean with these series of little games that Simon's got them doing, and they're running around New York City trying to defuse bombs. Yeah, uh, it's a game of cat and mouse. It's a real cat and mouse, cat and mice, because there's two of them. Um, yeah, you know, lives are on the line. It's high stakes. It's high temperature. Uh, it's, True. You know, it, all the while. Simon has an ulterior motive, which I'm not going to spoil the movie by telling everyone, you know, because people mightn't have seen it. We're not, we're not going to spoil the movie? Yeah, because we're, we're good like that. <laughs> no, Tristan, I'm going to spoil it. So that he was really after gold. He wasn't, he wasn't a terrorist. Yeah. Fort Knox is for tourists. Uh, yeah, he's robbing. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool, man. He was robbing all this gold. He's an international... Man of gold, gold. Yeah, you get the idea. McLean the and idea. McLean and Zeus are there to save the day, one one riddle at a time. Yeah, it's also a love story. Oh yeah, um, between New York City, it's a New, New York City and and its audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well surmised, Greg. Well surmised. Surmised. Yeah, good movie. This one, I liked it. Yeah, it's an enjoyable film. I, I've seen Very this movie enjoyable. heaps. Hey, I really have. Um, I haven't watched it in a long I hadn't, time. Yeah, I think from memory, the last time I watched this, I was like, I need some. T- we need some time apart. Die Hard Three. Oh really? Um, so this was a nice rewatch for me. I, I'd say I haven't while. watched this in like twenty years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'd At probably, least. Yeah, it's probably 10 or 15 for me. I don't know, actually. Yeah. How was it? Yeah. You enjoyed it by the sound It was of awesome. It. I, don't, I wouldn't say that my expectations were low, but it exceeded my expectations. Which were low. <laughs> I don't think they were low. I think they were just mid. I was yeah. like, it's going to be a fun action movie. Yeah. Um, but it was fucking awesome. It's so good. Mm. The pace. Mm. It's nonstop. Oh, I just, relentless. I, I can't believe the... The critic score is so low that just seems crazy to me. But um, the, yeah, the, the all the action is so practical. And Ara was watching it with me half, and uh, she said the same thing. Like the, even the the explosion in the beginning, it's real. Like that was a real store that was closing anyway, and so they blew out the windows and everything. It's not just like on a set somewhere. It's not CGI. That was New York, man. In the flesh, they blew it up in the flesh. And I like the, the sort of sprawling nature of it all and just uh, the, the, the momentum throughout. It just keeps on going. They get sweatier and dirtier and there's more things to stop from exploding. Yeah. They're a crafty bunch, the Germans. Yeah. Yeah. How's the rewatch for you? Uh, man, much the same. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, as I say, it had been a while between viewings and the last time was, you know, probably a while ago at, and it was probably 
uh, time to give it a bit of a break because it this thing got played yeah. a lot on TV as well. It was it was quite often the, uh, yeah. the Friday night movie. Um, so yeah. I seen it a lot, but yeah, it was enjoyable and it's it was you know it's pretty old now. It's pretty old now. Ninety five is a long time ago. Nearly thirty years. Nearly thirty years. That's um, crazy. And I think it didn't feel old. Yeah. And it felt like uh, there was so much. We'll, we'll get into we'll get into like the New Yorkiness of it all more, I guess. But just from from a overall perspective, it felt very just on the ground New York, right? I didn't feel. Uh, I don't know how to articulate it. Maybe authentic? the fact that it is a bit old. Yeah, authentic. Yeah, like it just felt like they had a camera and they were running around New York. Yeah, because they didn't, and they didn't over. I don't know. Maybe it's. As an outsider, it's but it didn't feel like they overcooked it either. It's yeah, not quite natural. Yeah, and like it wasn't. Uh, I skimmed an article just before we started recording that said something like it's the perfect. It's not a love letter to New York, like a lot of movies said in New York, or like a, a love letter to New York. Mm. Um, but it's more just realistic. No, I mean not realistic in terms of plot, but the the New York they present is pretty. Much New York, yeah. <laughs> like you don't get the phoniness. Mm. Um, I mean, there's lots of cliches throughout, of course. You of know, course, that's okay. That's what's okay. a what's a diehard movie without a couple of cliches? Hey, eh? that's, <laughs> that's what I always yeah. say. Very astute on your part. Speaking of cliches, very very early on in the movie, when that department store gets blown up, <laughs> someone says, "Who the hell would want to blow up a department store?" And then the other cop says. Ever see a woman at a shoe sale? Ah. <laughs> that's the most. Oh, that's at that point that I crossed off the Bechdel test. I thought this won't, <laughs> won't waste any time there. <laughs> I also thought, I thought uh, Simon Gruber does a better American accent than his brother Hans. Oh, that's, that's astute. Yeah. Because remember, Hans was like, his, <laughs> it's, it was so bad. The first one, when he first. Gets found by um by Bruce by, by Brucey baby. Yeah. He's like, oh no, man! Don't give me no, don't give me no. You're one yeah, of them. Yeah, you're one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was perfect. And then when um they have it, they're sharing a cigarette together, and he's like, "You don't work for Nakatomi." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and while technically maybe he was doing an American accent, but that's it's Alan Rickman's voice, man. You can't just like. He sounded like Alan Rickman impersonating yeah. a German impersonating Snape impersonating yeah. American. You don't work for Nakatomi. <laughs> you don't work for Slytherin. <laughs> uh, oh, guess what? And watching it with Ara, um, obviously she's, you know, smart and all. And and as the water jug thing was coming up, that was actually I forgot. That was my main memory of this film is the water jug puzzle. Yeah, yeah. How, how have we got thirty minutes this into this episode without, without discussing the water? That's jug. the main thing. That's the water jug one. And um, as that was about to happen, I was like, "Oh, babe, you got to pay attention to this part. I want to see if you can solve it. It's so hard." And then as soon as they explained the riddle, she just goes, "Oh, you just need to go, but 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 there you go." And I was yeah, like, I still, "No, that's that's not it." Uh, Oh, yeah, that that's exactly right. I still don't get it. I don't get it because she made it very clear and then when, you know, 20 seconds later when they're solving it on the screen, they gloss over it so quickly and I'm like, no, no, no I want to hear the confirmed answer. And then I thought overall with the film, there's all these puzzles throughout it, right? I wish they built in a bit more time for the audience to like have a chance to see if they can guess it and mm. like... They just kind of blitz through some of them. You're like, wait, no, what was that? That's what I was talking about with, I don't really... with wives. On my way to yeah. St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives. Seven wives yeah. and seven lives and buys and the suction of hearts. I was like, what? <laughs> what? I'm, I can't understand you. Yeah, like I want to have these riddles be, take more of a, uh, you know, front front seat in this in this, mm. in this this plot and like – them to be like real, real aha moments, like oh, of course, you know, they, they just kind of happened. Mm, and you yeah, some, well, I reckon if we write, we could give that feedback. Hey, Brucey, baby, if you're going to do the riddles, let us let us riddle with you. <laughs> They're too astute. It's basically the riddler. Yeah, 
Well, origin story. Imagine if they took Simon Says, the original script from this, and made it Batman Forever. Mm. That'd be interesting. And so he be- Simon becomes the Riddler. Mm. Zeus becomes Robin. That could almost work. <laughs> Brucey and- Baby becomes Brucey Wayney. Oh, my goodness. Where's a button when you need it? Very stood on your part. Story police, by Police Cops. <laughs> Synergies. I couldn't tell you how the jug riddle works now, by the way. Couldn't tell uh, you. No, because if it's five litres and then you got three and then you pour three into five, there's two litre gap. And then he's like, yeah, then you just pour one extra litre and you get four. I'm like, but isn't that the bit that's. Yeah, that's. Well, I, oh, I've lost it again. Yeah, I don't know. Help. Okay. How I mean, how does that work? <laughs> <Fucking hell. laughs> We'd be uh, Yeah, man. Many times over. I wouldn't have passed the first test. Mm. It would be a short film. <laughs> Actually, half the bombs weren't real, though, right? They were all just distractions and mm. things. I'm not. Mm. A, I'm not a monster. Hey, it was interesting. You know how obviously we haven't covered Die Hard Two yet. Die Harder. Mm. Um, but it was interesting watching this without watching that and seeing how it kind of works as a direct sequel. And I think it does. Like if yeah. this was just Die Hard 2. Oh, yeah. And now are the only two movies they ever made. I feel like that's a good, a lot of good sequels. Like you think Terminator 1 to Terminator 2. There's things they do which work quite well that I think that, that I think is mirrored in how this one is executed. Oh, and of course, I forgot to mention John McTiernan's back. Yes. So he didn't direct Die Hard 2 yes. and he directed this one. He had a breather. Yeah. So on he that was note, probably it also on a beach feels for a while like earning 20%. Earning 20%, yeah. Then he got well, he bored. went to jail at some point. No, oh, that's true. <laughs> but, yeah, so you could almost think of this as the McTiernan, you know, sequel, direct sequel. Because, uh, yeah, like so, sort of like Terminator 2, sometimes the good sequels are the ones that sort of invert the original premise. So, like, Terminator 1... Arnold's coming for mm. you. Terminator mm. 2, Arnold's saving you. Very inverted. Yeah. Then like this one, Die Hard 1, you're stuck in a building. Die Hard 2, it's all outside. It's a whole city. Mm. Stuck outside. Um, there's two of you. There's two of you, two guys now. Um, the bad guy turns out to be the brother. You know, like it works more as a – it works quite well. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to watch two Die Hard movies, maybe you just watch these two. That works. Yeah. Have you seen the other Die Hard movies, like the uh, four and five? Yeah. I think – I don't know if I saw the end of the last one. I think I think I didn't. Are they shit or are they okay? Well, I don't think I like them very much. I was so surprised to see that fourth one have such a high score because they lose the everyman aspect, right? Mm, like he get, becomes like a superhero. And, yeah. Like this one gets big, but I like that he's still pretty ordinary. Like he's not doing anything. He's not taking down a helicopter by shooting a car at it, which mm. I think he does in like the fourth or fifth one. Yeah. The it's still feasible. Bigger. More, yeah. More ridiculous. Yeah. The, I think some, some of the, um, the back and forth banter, the black guy, white guy thing is pretty dated, I thought. Well, I don't know. I was thinking the opposite in a way because like, a lot of shit hasn't really changed as much yeah, as well, you would like. There's a, that part where Samuel L. Jackson's in the subway and the cop's pointing, the nervous cop is pointing a gun yeah, at him. Yeah, yeah, oh. That hit pretty fucking hard. Like that was probably the most tense part of the whole movie mm. in a way because of, you know, what's going on in the world. Um, and I remember thinking it felt a bit over the top of the time, the, the racial part, mm. I thought. But we were a bit oblivious to all that. Yeah, it's true. Not that we don't have our own issues in Australia, but yet that specific dynamic we were a little well, we're, oblivious we're, to. We're I guess. quite young. Yeah. We're yeah. younger. Yeah. Younger. When Ryan Coogler, like last week, gets, they think he's robbing a bank. Oh, yeah, that was something. The, um, in terms of the performances, yeah, I think we'd. How, how do you rate your Grubers? Are you, are you Hans or Simon? I thought he was good. I feel like Hans is more iconic. Yeah. But I did, I liked Simon, but I guess actually thinking about this movie, he doesn't really stand out to me as like, like I would give Samuel my MVP, I think. Mm. He seems to be like the 
the exciting bit for me in this. Simon does the job. He's there. Mm-hmm. And I like Jeremy's iron generally. Mm. Uh, how do you feel about the matter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty that's pretty astute. I'd probably go along with that. I think it was a solid performance in the the posh European bad guy. Yeah. Definitely did a better American accent. That's that was also very astute. Mm. Mm. Um, I thought he did the Euro thing well. That singlet was ridiculous and uh Yeah, that was nice. Pretty- I actually I like that. I like the aesthetic maybe or well, maybe not more because that was but I like the the kind of Euro trashy vibe. Yeah. yeah. yeah Is that, that the right of, phrase? I don't know. I don't know. I'll go with it. It was no one's gonna no one's gonna say otherwise. This is this is our show. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm for I'm for it. The girl, I found the girl unsettling. Yeah, I guess that was the idea. She was cold killer. Yeah, she was kind of like what's his name from Carl from the first one. Oh yeah, the ballerina guy, the real life ballet man. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, there's an alternate ending to this. Yeah, quite an elaborate one. And I didn't know about this until like 10 minutes before we started recording, so I didn't watch it all. Did you watch it or did you read about it? I read about it. I haven't seen it. Um, is it. Did they film it? They filmed it and I think they decided to not use it because it was a pretty villainous move on um, Brucey's part. Yeah. As he's, it's it's... Well, that's some vengeance in it. He basically, uh, Simon gets away. He tracks him down in another country and confronts him in a restaurant. Yeah. And they, there's kind of a Russian bar. roulette kind of scenario. Yeah. And he basically explodes him with a bazooka, but he does it himself. It's like a weird game. They like play a game together. Yeah. Apparently they changed it because they thought it's him being too much of a bad guy, like a bad bloke. But the writer was like, that's the whole point. Like, this is him over the edge now. Like, which is interesting to have, I guess, like a kind of like a Breaking Bad situation. Mm. Falling down. Across the line, across the line. Because then, then Die Hard 4, maybe he's more of an anti hero or something. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. know. But I thought that was interesting. I can barely remember the ending to the actual version. It was underwhelming. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Of course it's a helicopter. Shoots it out of the sky. Not with a car, though. Yeah. With a, with, a, with a pistol. You shot the power lines. Classic. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Greg, I took the liberty of putting together a list for us to, um, since we're going to be doing a few New York films, can help us sort of evaluate the New Yorkiness of, of each. Oh, I think it's ve- it's very important. I'm glad you've done this. Yeah, and I wouldn't say that these are necessarily about getting a high score. It's more about kind of getting the flavour of the type of New York film it is, you know. Uh, okay. Is it a love letter? Is it a this? Is it a that? Um, so the first one, is it really shot in New York? And then this one is absolutely, maybe gets, I don't know what the scoring mechanic here is, but that was that's an A+, plus, I suppose. Mm, mm. So much New York. A++. Plus plus. And actually that's the second one, coverage. So how much of New York are we seeing? Uh, and in this one, we're covering all all stops, man. Lots of places. Mm-hmm. Downtown to the Bronx. Uh-huh. The subways. The subways. The park. Central Park and Tompkins Square Park. Mm. Financial District. It's all there. Uh, they got it all. Again, more than I expected. So, yeah, this is very... Uh, very New York-y. Because, you know, there's movies like Gremlins 2. It's, it's a New York film, I guess. There's a couple of exterior shots, but it's mostly just inside a building. Yes, this much, is, this much is more akin to Die Hard, the first. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. That is interesting. Ever seen those two movies in the same time? <laughs> Never. Um, I also thought it's interesting to, uh, I guess this helps us understand, it, would you call it a main character or not, is the city itself inextricably linked to the the plot and i would say in this one i guess it is right because there's for sure very specific locations being used um i would say you would give maybe bonus points for like a landmark being destroyed but i don't think that really happened in this did it mm. well unless unless uh unless macy's on fourth is a uh <laughs> 
It wasn't even Macy's. It was just some other random. Was it a real name? I don't even know if that was a real name. I have no idea. Or some bullshit. Um, do they ride a yellow taxi? They drive a yellow taxi. That's a big yes. Oh, yeah, through the park. Do they eat a hot dog? No. I don't think they eat a hot dog. Does anyone eat a hot dog in this? I'd have to, this, I don't know, I'd have to go back to those, maybe to the police. But watch it again with my hot dog vision. Yeah. I don't know what any of this criteria leads towards, by the way. Like if they do eat a hot dog, I don't know if that means it's better or worse. But <laughs> mm. um, do we get a good representation of classic New York street toughs? Now, I think we do in this. When he's in Harlem, you get some street toughs. Yeah. But i got to say, I'm looking forward to maybe more one of those 80s movies, New York Street Toughs, where it's got one person of every race in the in the gang and some bandanas, you know. Nice. Some cut-off sleeves, you know. Oh, That's what those I want to kind see. of guys, yeah. I want to see some real street toughs. With flick knives. Yeah, but then they dance instead of fighting. Well, Crocodile Dundee 2 would be a decent. Yeah, that's exactly, fuck, that's good. He's got some. Oh, wait. What happens in Dundee 2? Because he goes to New York in 1 as well, right? Yeah, I think he's based there in 2. Every time I watch Crocodile Dundee, I'm surprised he makes it to New York within that first film. Mm, Every damn time. Um, And the final criteria that I've come up with so far, this list may evolve as we go through them all. But uh, does it have an iconic New Yorker cameo? It does not, does it? Oh. I don't think it does. There's no like, Trump in there or anything. Not that I know of. Um, oh, yeah, I know what you mean, though, the old real world. Yeah. Mm. Not even a Rob Schneider. That's all I got. So I guess is a, without having a point of comparison yet, this is the most New Yorky film we've covered in the miniseries so far. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I think it will be up there because, like I said, a lot more New Yorky than I uh, had anticipated. Mm, so much, especially York. when it comes to like number of shots and you know coverage. It's it's got to be up there. Mm. Hey, should we get into the verdict? Let's do it. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Uh, man, I love this movie. This is a good movie. I don't know if I like it more than Die Hard 1. Probably not. But I, But just from a general action movie standpoint... This has got to be up there as like a one of my top 90s quality action, not, not B-movie action, like in terms mm. of blockbuster reaction. This mm. is up there for me. It's, quality it's aged well. It's aged well in terms of the, the, the New York vibe and, and uh, the practicalness mm-hmm. of it all. It holds up nicely. Yeah. How do you feel, Greg? I concur. I concur. concur? It has it has aged well. Um, I it would have been interesting to watch maybe ten years ago and see if it had been in that purgatory phase or if it was yeah. just been a clean, you know, a clean run. But uh, it was enjoyable. There's it's you know there's good performances. There's plenty of action. The pace is cracking. It's a cracking pace. It and is a cracking pace. Bit of fun along the way. Yeah. What do you want? True. What do you want? It's up there. Go watch it. <laughs> Grab a gabagoo. Uh, gabagoo. Uh, did Simpsons do it, Greg? Yes, a few times. I've got a list here because there were a few. Oh, yeah. So there's, uh, what do we got here? The city of New York versus Homer Simpson. Homer drives his car through Central Park, which apparently is a nod to this movie. Oh. I don't know. That sounds like a stretch. Mm. In uh, <laughs> that episode where Homer's pitching a movie with Mel Gibson, yeah, he says something like, I second that motion with a vengeance. <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's a bunch of weird, weird little ones. So, yeah, not, not a good one for clips, but apparently there's lots of little more Easter eggy type of things uh, yes. um, as Nons. it relates to this movie. But that's a pass. That gives it a pass for yeah. sure. Uh, porn parody, apparently not, but I don't think we mustn't have had this criteria when we did Die Hard 1 because when I looked it up, I did find 
diehard porn parody. It's called Dick Hard. Oh, of course. <laughs> like, do it. Genius. Genius. Uh, Bechdel test, no. Um, FX test, big, big yes. Mm. Good effects, good explosions. Mm-hmm. Bing bong, good stuff. Good on you. <laughs> Do you have any recasties? Nah. Did you? Nah, same. No, it feels weird recasting like a, because then you kind of, it's like you have to recast the whole franchise. Mm. So I don't know. But it, it did make me think something about this film had similar energy to like speed. And so I was think I was picturing Keanu would be good in this role. Maybe even now as a fifty year old or however old he is. Yep. Fuck, I think he's nearly sixty. Um who's your MVP? Yeah, probably Samuel. Yeah, same. Yeah. He was on a tear at this time. Yeah, man. Killing it. It's good yeah. to see a young Samuel. Time to kill the same year, didn't he? Or was that next year? Ninety six. What was that? A time to kill. Was that ninety six? Was that after this? I think it might have been. I don't know. We'll never know. There's no way of possibly finding out. <laughs> I said I was. It's good to see a young Samuel, but he was 47 in this. <laughs> he looked pretty young. Brucey baby was 40. Yeah, right. That's my age. Mm. It's good. All right. What are we doing next week? One of uh, we don't know yet. We've got a list, but we haven't decided running order yet. So you'll have to stay tuned to the gram to find that out. Follow us on yeah. the gram if you're not already. By the oh, way. Oh yeah. But we'll be back mm. with more New York films. Um, this was our first mm-hmm. global pod. It may have, may have been a yep. bit short looking at the time, but you know what? It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. It it we hit record at about five to six a.m. on a on a Monday morning here. After I slept, I should say I slept through our our scheduled <laughs> yeah, recording yeah. time yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, so apologies. You better hang up and start editing. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of nice that it's a nice, short, tight episode. Exactly. It's exactly. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week, guys. Yeah. <clears throat> Bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>